Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. All over the world. Good morning. It is Monday here on Church Boy Confessions. He will direct your path. So what's there to fear again? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to the Church Board Confessions Podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Hecke. Um, welcome to a new week, a new Monday, a new episode. God bless you. Hope you guys have had an amazing past week. Um, you know, I hope you guys have been really welcoming the Holy Spirit into your life to deal with the pride and the impatience and the comparison and the envy um, that we so habitually deal with. Um, today, we're going to kind of continue that conversation. I really apologize for anybody who might be tired about talking about pride. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot to unpack and there's more to unpack. And um, I really want to focus on, you know, pride again this episode and really in terms of how it impacts or interrupts rather our purpose um it's a very big deal so before i get started ladies and gentlemen like i say pretty much every week um you know we're a 501c3 nonprofit, uh which means that we are able to operate and do things that we do solely because of one of course because of god right i mean he fuels everything um but we also ask you that if you at any time um, feel led to give to this ministry for the sake of us being able to do our next poetry jam and to just continue to operate a level that we do and even take it to another level please consider making a tax-deductible donation at www.unnessassociated.com slash donate um yeah so yeah uh, i appreciate everyone who has been donating i appreciate people who have donated one time um who have donated who donate monthly as well um you know, God has really been using those funds and really using you to be able to fuel the different things that we're doing that and that he's then using to impact um, many people, even us as a part of the team. So I really appreciate everybody who's been taking out that time, who's been doing those things, making those sacrifices. Um, it's not gone unnoticed. And I pray um, that God blesses you um, plentifully and tenfold in Jesus name. Amen. So today we're going to um, continue this conversation on, on pride, which is, I mean, we've kind of touched on pride ever since I've been back, which is about five weeks now. Um, and I think that, you know, it really speaks to how deep rooted this pride is, especially in our society, um, especially in, you know, there's just the way that we've been conditioned growing up. And of course, you know, aside from conditioning, also the sin, uh, the sinful nature that we have, um, some of the things that we've covered or pretty much if I can summarize, you know, this this topic of pride in like 30 seconds we've talked about how pride you know we have this sinful desire to be praised we have this sinful desire to be worshipped um you know and then in doing that we kind of prop up you know even mentally we prop up this high self-image of ourselves you know subliminally we think that we're better than other people we're more special than other people um and in order for us to justify that high self-image, we chase after a myriad of things that are not of God in order to substantiate the high self-image that we have in our head so then we can garner the praise and worship without having any conflicts. Um, pride materializes in many ways. It materializes in us seeking after our own self-exaltation, self-worship, um, selfish ambitions, envying other people, impatience, insecurities even. As we touched on, I believe, what was that, episode 169 or 168? I think 169 about how when you have this high self image of yourself, but then you continue to suffer through loss and rejection and failure, um, that 
difference between your high self-image of yourself and the reality of your own shortcomings can cause a lot of insecurities um, because you're frustrated about the chasm that exists between who you are in reality and your own shortcomings and this high self-image you have of yourself in your head. Is it all sounds very confusing because I just try to, you know, summarize it in 30 minutes. You got about three to four or an, and a half hours of content, hours of listening to me talk. Um, explain that whole thing. So I definitely would uh, <clears throat> recommend you go back and listen to the past, like what four episodes. Um, but yeah, what was the resolution to this pride? Well, pride is sin, and the res- resolution to all sin is Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, we receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Romans chapter eight, that if that by the Spirit we can mortify the deeds of the flesh. So we are no longer a slave to sin. We are free from sin and pride is a sin. So that means we can be or we are free from pride and we do not have to. We are under no obligation to fulfill um, its own desires and its own hold over our lives. We're not slaves to unrighteousness. We are slaves to righteousness. And in repenting, what's important is that this mindset that we have that continues to perpetuate, the mindset that we have that continues to perpetuate, there you go, this idea that we deserve praise and worship or that the whole world revolves around us, it needs to be dismantled. And the way that it's dismantled is by us acknowledging the truth. The way that it's dismantled is by the Holy Spirit purifying us in our hearts. The way that it's dismantled is us snapping into reality and pulling from the scriptures, the word of God, the truth, to truly be able to know who we are and what we're about. And the truth is, as much as this might be something that a lot of people really dislike, you're not more special than anybody else. And there's no reason why you should have this high self-image of yourself. There's no reason why you should be exalting yourself or you should be boasting about yourself or you should be proud, proud within yourself. There's no reason. There's no valid reason. It's all delusion. That's what it is. So we're going to talk about pride today. And ultimately, what I want everyone to gain from this episode is how pride interrupts our purpose. How pride... And this idea of us thinking that we are special causes us to seek things for ourselves rather than seeking things for God, going against our very purpose for our own creation, um, and ultimately wreaking havoc on this planet. And all disobedience and unrighteousness can all stem from this. There's no reason for there's no reason why we should be exalting ourselves. And let me just say this. You know, I've been talking about pride a lot, you know, and so many of us being so, so proud within our hearts. And I want to be clear that when I'm talking about people who are prideful, I'm talking about you. Because sometimes, you know, we might think, oh, this is not a message for me because I'm humble, right? And even that in and of itself can sometimes be pride. Because when we think of prideful people, we think of the loud and cocky, obnoxious people. But you don't got to be loud to be proud to be prideful you don't have to be loud and cocky to literally be prideful in your heart and there's so many of us that because we're not loud and cocky we think that pride is not a problem it's not something that we struggle with but oh no yes it is in fact sometimes the reason why we think we 
don't need certain, you know, uh, help in certain areas or we think that we're good in certain areas can be because of pride. Pride is, is a place deep rooted in the heart that manifests itself in even the slightest of ways that's even hard for us to 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 um identify at times. But ultimately a lot of us think we think we're more special than other people and we think that we deserve some type of praise and some type of worship. And the reasons why we do, let's let's talk about the reasons why we do. Because of our looks, right? Maybe we look really good. Or our talents or our accomplishments or our career. Maybe we have great careers or our money or our status. But the reality is the scripture teaches that all of these things come from God. Your looks, God created you. Your talents, God gave you those gifts. Your career, your money. Psalm chapter 75, verse uh, 6 through 8 says, Exaltation does not come from the east. It does not come from the west. It does not come from the south. It comes from God. God is the judge. You think you're something, you're more special because you got money and, and you worked so hard. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God told the children of Israel, Do not forget that I'm the one that gave you the power to get wealth. What can we have? What can we say that truly is good and perfect in our lives that did not come from God? In order for us to even think that we have to lie to ourselves, in order for us to think that we must be ignorant of the word of God. And, and, and even sometimes we adamantly ignore God's role in our lives and even other people's role in our lives in order for us to puff up and brag about how we're self-made, about how we got it from the mud. We think we're special because of your status, but isn't it God that made Abraham's name great? And, and is he even establishing the Davidic kingdom, the Davidic um, kingship for all of eternity? God is the one that makes people great. God is the one that gives people status. God is the one that gives people money. God is the one that gives people good looks and talents and gifts and so on and so forth. But yet we use these different things. When God gives it to us, it's not about saying thank you, God. It's not about giving glory to God and pointing everybody to God. It's not about using these things for righteousness. Instead, we use them for instruments to, gar to garner the praise and admiration of other people ourselves. Pride interrupts purpose. Because the gifts that God gave us to give him glory, we use to get our own glory. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I know you're tired of me quoting this verse every single episode. It's not my fault. I mean, it's, it's an amazing verse, and it just ties everything so together. We have to remember that every good and every perfect gift that we have in our lives, it is something that we have received. It's something that we have received. It's something that we have received. And Apostle Paul asked the question. I always use this, this verse, too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, to 6 to 7, to these pompous Christians at the time, he says, For who makes you different from one another, and what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Here, Apostle Paul implies that if you've received it, then you have no room to boast about it. And we know that. That's cold. Bruh, you got a handout. That's why we like to say, I got no handouts. Or, yo, everybody was rooting for you. Everybody was there for you. That's why we like to say nobody believed in us. We came from nothing. Isn't it funny how we have even normalized this idea of continuing to romanticize 
how bad we had it when we were kids. Purely so people can admire us more for our grit and the wisdom and, and, and the dedication and the discipline that we had in order to get to where we are today. <laughs> Man. Nobody wants to admit that it's God. Nobody wants to truly give glory to him. Or maybe we give some glory to him and then we also take some glory for ourselves, half and half, 50-50, right? I did this and God did this. And and yeah, we both did our parts. We're a team. You're a product. It's not, it's not a team. It's not a team. <laughs> it's him. And you're a recipient. You're a bench player. You're a role player. Sorry if that makes you feel bad. We have got to stop thinking that the whole world revolves around us. You're a product. This was one of the things that I that I was uh, enlightened to pretty early on in my time of just like God really showing me the amount of pride, revealing to me the amount of pride that I had in my life. Because for as long as I can remember, I was more special than other people. And I think to some extent, we all kind of feel like that, right? We're the main character of our own lives and therefore kind of the main character of the world as we know it, right? And for me, the reason why I felt like I was more special than other people or the reason why I felt like I was special, period, was due to the things that I saw in me that garnered praise and worship and admiration from other people, right? Like if people would praise me for, oh, man, you're a handsome young man or, you know, well-mannered young black man. Or smart, 4.0, I have a 4.4, but hey, we, hey, pride, right? <laughs> you know? And in my head, it's like, ah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting praise, I'm getting worship for that, I'm getting attention for that, I need more of that, I need to sustain that. So my focus became, how do I maintain these factors so I can maintain the praise and the admiration that I receive? Because I love the praise and the admiration that I receive. Why? Because I want to be praised and I want to be worshipped because of my pride, the sin in me, of thinking everything is about me, everything revolves around me. Who cares about other people? Who cares about God? Who cares about the purpose he's put over my life? Who cares about the people that have helped me in my life? Who cares about any of that stuff? Everything is about me. Everything's about us, right? It's not true. And God asks me, all these reasons that you think you're special, where do they come from? And I ask you the same question. All the reasons why you think you're a special human being, where do those reasons come from? Did they just come from your own essence? Or is it a good and a perfect gift that has come from above, the father of lights, with no variation or shadow of turning? It came from God. That thing that you think you're special for came from God 
he gave it to you. And the reality is he did not give it to you for you to define yourself by it, nor did he give it to you for you to exalt yourself because of it. Oh, oh. Maybe he gave you the gift of singing. And now you're, who you are is just a great singer, the greatest singer on earth. That, that's that's how you define yourself. That's the source of your pride, being the greatest singer on earth. Let everyone come and hear your voice and think about you and how talented you are. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, he gave you that voice to praise his name, and he gave you that voice to glorify him. When somebody asks you, wow, or when somebody says, wow, this is amazing, you tell somebody about how amazing God is because that's where it came from. That's where it came from. Like, imagine you're a stylist, like, for, like, you know what I'm saying, maybe a celebrity, and then, like, you literally dress this person, and then the person goes out in public saying, yeah, I got the best style, you know, it's just me, I have the best style in the game. And you don't even shout out your stylist. That's, like, how we are when God gives us gifts in order to literally give him the glory with it and bear his image with it, and then we just make it seem like we just got it like that. You just got it like that from where? (laughs) From where did you get it? (laughs) You just got it like that. Well, where'd you get it? (laughs) That's the point. Like, the point was for you to tell somebody where you got it from. It's to point to the person that literally put them on your back. Put those clothes on your back. Put the clothes on your back. Put the talent on your back. Put the looks on your back. Put every good and perfect gift on your back. We think we're special for all these reasons. And we completely ignore (laughs) that God is behind those reasons. And I'm going to read Ezekiel chapter 16. This was something that God had put on my heart at that time. And I truly do pray that it blesses you as well, because this really helps me whenever I read Ezekiel 16. And I know it's not specifically talking about, you know, me or anything like that. Like, ultimately, the context is... You know, Ezekiel warning the Israelites, and I'll get to the context in a second. But what I think is amazing is when you can see things that God is telling other people. You can see um, how God deals with certain things in the context of whether it be the Israelites or um, whatever, whatever on, in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit can speak to you through those things and make you even analyze your own self and your own heart. And you ask the question. I'm not, I haven't sinned that much differently from the people that's talking about. I'm um, Ezekiel. Um, at this time, you are in a stage where the children of Israel are like the captivity, Babylonian captivity technically had already started, right? 8,000 Israelites were already taken into Babylonian captivity. Um, and uh, at this point, you know, God was like fed up, right? God was fed up of like all the sin that the Israelites were doing for all of this time. Um, and it was time for him to bring about the chastisement of the Israelites, right? So he has prophet Ezekiel tell them how they have been sinful. Uh, ultimately tells them that a great chastisement is coming in the form of Babylonian captivity, which technically had already started with 8,000 Israelites being taken away. Um, and then um, later on, God will also restore Israel um, and, and give them a new covenant as well. All right. 
So in chapter 16, God is speaking through Ezekiel, right? And he gives this large analogy that ultimately speaks to the fact how God, the ways that God has expressed his own love and his own faithfulness to Israel. Um, but in return, Israel would only express how unfaithful they could be. Um, and so interesting because, you know, we see these great demonstrations of God's power and his wisdom and his love and his <clears throat> stature, in a sense, at least a fraction of it in the Bible. But it's funny how God even positions himself because in the analogy, he is the husband of a wife, of a queen that has made herself a whore. He, he's uh, what is it called? A cuckold? I think that's what it's called. Don't Google it. I'm scared that something else will come up. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I just think that that's interesting. But we're going to read. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 16, verse 1 to 17. Yeah, I know. We're going to read, what was that, 17, 18 verses. Um, I typically don't read, you know, this many verses <laughs> consecutively. But y'all going to have to sit through it because uh, I would read the entire chapter if I were you. Okay, that's homework. But we're going to read the next 17 verses, all right? Ezekiel chapter 16, starting at verse 1. We're going to go to verse 17. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know, Jerusalem to know her abominations and say, Thus says the Lord God to, to Jerusalem, Your birth... And your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in the water to cleanse you. You were, you were not rubbed with salt, nor wrapped with swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. Mm. Verse 6, and when I passed by you and saw you struggling, struggling in your own blood, I saw, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. I said, you, I, I made you thrive like a plant in the field and you grew. Pay attention to the I statements. Matured and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed. Your hair grew, but you, but you were naked and bare. When I passed by you, Again, and looked upon you. Indeed, your time was time was a time for love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you and you became mine, says the Lord God. Then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood and I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in um, embroidered um, cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you in fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, but brace, uh, put bracelets on your wrist and a chain in your neck. And I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was fine was a fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate pastry of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. Your frame your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord God. Verse fifteen. But you trusted in your own beauty. Played the harlot because of your fame and poured out your harlotry on everyone passing by who would have it. 
You took some of your garments and adorned multicolored high places for yourself and played the harlot on them. Such things should not happen, nor be. You have also taken your beautiful jewelry from my gold and my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself male images and played the harlot with them. May God bless the hearing and the reading and understanding of his word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The chapter goes on to explain more of the ways that Israel defiled itself. And then God would tell him, this is the judgment that's coming to you. Um, but after that, I will renew a covenant with you. I have a new covenant with you. Um, and I'm not fully forsaking, forsaking you. I'm not forsaking you at all, actually. Man. 17 verses, a lot to take away. If I could summarize the 17 verses, I will summarize it into three points. Point number one, before God chose Israel, they were nothing. Verse five and six says, no, I pitied you. Right. It says that you were thrown out into an open field. It says that God said that when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. They were a baby with the, the umbilical cord not even cut off, thrown out into a field, an abandoned baby. The ultimate image of helplessness. Israel was helpless. Israel was nothing before God. Point number two, God made them great. All of those I statements. I even got tired of me saying that. In verse seven, he said, I made you thrive like a plant. Verse 8, he said, I spread my wing over you. He said, I swore an oath to you. I washed you in water. I anointed you with oil. I clothed you. I adorned you. I put jewels on you. This is my splendor that I bestowed upon you. Man, he did everything. He is the one that made them great. But point three. In verse 15, it says, but you trusted in your own beauty. But they trusted in their own beauty they trusted in their own beauty that was a gift to them that was a product of everything that God had given them the gifts that God gave them they took it and they trusted in it how unfortunate is it that because of the sin in us when God gives us a good gift, a good and perfect gift, multiple, rather than, be, rather than them being points of gratitude, they are points of pride for us. We take it and we say, ah, yes, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. We become self-consumed. And then we go to seek out a life Fulfilling our own exaltation and our own pleasures, just like the Israelites did. Going after idolatry. Going after all these idols. Forget about God. Forget about faithfulness to this person. It's about us. Let's go and worship Baal. Let's go and worship Moloch. Because they're going to give us whatever type of fruitfulness and abundance that we want in this life. It's all about us. 
Too often we forget that God creates us. He molds us. He blesses us. He makes us great. And he gives us all of these reasons to be grateful. But rather than be grateful, we become self-consumed. Self-consumed. Our focus is ourselves rather than him. And we completely forget everything that he's done for us and continues to do for us. God blesses us, blesses us with beauty. He blesses us with money. Man, nowadays he blesses us with money and then we will come up with reasons as to why we don't tithe and we don't offer to the church, to the ministries. He blesses us with beauty and then once we start getting attention from the people that we're attracted to, we go and we fornicate and commit adultery. Isn't it funny how sometimes God not giving us the things that we pray for is actually better for us? Have you ever actually thought that maybe God didn't give you that money because he knew you was going to act up when you got it? And he said, I don't even want to go through that with you. Could it be that he 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 allowed that pimple to come <laughs> and mess up your looks or you're just not or maybe i already know there's a reason why i'm 57 <laughs> i just feel like a whole bunch of people gasped <laughs> in themselves there's a reason why I, i'll tell you right now if i was over 6 foot man i don't even know if church for confessions would exist God knows what he's doing, bro. I keep it a buck. I have no confidence in the flesh. Huh. I keep it a buck with you. <laughs> Look, man. <laughs> Sometimes there'd be reasons, man, that God doesn't give us some things. Because as we see time and time again, especially with the Israelites, when he gave them something, that same thing that he used, it literally says, what does it say in verse 17? That the jewels that, they, that he gave them, they used it to build idols. We took the gifts that God gave us and used it for idolatry, for disobedience, for unrighteousness. Mm. I came across this one commentary as I was preparing for this episode um, by John Calvin and Thomas Myers. Um, and this is what they said about Ezekiel sixteen fifteen when it says when it said that they trusted in their own beauty. They said this passage then is worthy of observation, where God reproves His ancient people for trusting in their beauty, because the figure signifies that they drew their material for pride from the gifts which ought rather to lead them to piety or like holiness. For the gifts which were received from God's hand ought to be invitations to gratitude. But we are puffed up by pride and luxury so that we profane God's gifts in which his glory ought to shine forth. Mm. We profane God's gifts from which his glory is supposed to shine forth. Let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, of Genesis chapter 1. 
the very first chapter of the entire Bible. Many things are established there. One of them is your own purpose, the reason why you exist, the reason why you're here. You were created in God's image. We are image bearers of Christ. We are here not to seek after our own exaltation and the worship of our own self-image, but to bear the image of God, to point all the glory to him through the work that he does in us. Through the gifts that he gives us, through the goodness that he bestows upon us. But when we take the things that he gives us and rather than be grateful and rather than show forth his glory with it, we seek after our own ambitions and our own pleasures and our own glorification, then we are going against everything that we are. We are going against our purpose for existing. <laughs> Pride interrupts purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, God has given you so many great gifts and so many great things and so many great blessings and so many great favors. But he did not give it to you for you to exalt yourself. He did not give it to you to go about life thinking that you're more special than other people. He gave it to you to bear his image, to do his will, and ultimately also partake in his goodness. But pride gets in the way of that because pride makes it all about us and us doing what we want to do with the things that God gave us. Not you gave yourself, God gave us. To live a life of our own pleasures and our own praise and worship. But we must remember Whenever we want to actually come down to earth and actually be realistic and focus on the truth, we must remember that we are a product. There's no reason for you to think you're more special than anybody else. For what? God could have just, e just as easily given this to somebody else and not you. Just as easily. There's nothing about you or anything that you've earned. Like, you guys have to understand, it's more than hard work. I know we haven't been so defiled by toxic capitalism and the American dream that we actually think that it's just hard work. Really? Really? Man, when you realize that everything, everything good and perfect comes from God, bro, you, you can't brag about nothing. And even all these people that be bragging about stuff, you'd be looking at them like, are you dumb? Are you stupid or something? Like, like <laughs> but nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, don't let pride interrupt your purpose. It takes you off track. It defiles your mindset. It makes you live a life of chasing rather than living because you're chasing after all these things to substantiate your high self-image, the money, the women, the pride, or the, the respect, the, uh, the uh, adoration. 
And it also builds a chasm between you and God. That's why James wrote, um, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You're not more special than anybody else. You're not. And you don't have to be, guys. You don't have to be. That high self-image you have in your head, it's a myth. Not only is it unrighteous, but it's a myth. You are not self-made. You have received handouts, whether you consciously know or you don't. <laughs> You're a product. And I, and I truly do pray that uh, all of us really acknowledge that and live out that acknowledgement. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this episode. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace, God. So many of us, the pride is so deep-rooted, but... Excuse me. I thank you for your patience. Um, and I thank you for showing us where we ought to work. Uh, or where we ought to um, allow you in, rather. Um, so you can purify us from inside out. God, I can sit here and I can preach and I can use all these scriptures and I can use all of these analogies and all that different stuff. But true transformation does not just come from our knowledge of your word, but you coming into our hearts um, and, and making that change. So, Father, we invite you into our hearts, oh God, because um, we can't be obedient by ourselves. We need you even for that. Um, so I just pray that you eradicate the pride in our hearts, oh God, and help us to truly take on humility. We need your help. It's hard. It's hard, God, especially in this world, in this society where everything conditions us to think about ourselves, 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 ourselves. Everyone wants their own praise and worship, Lord. But Father, help us to not be like everyone, but to be like Jesus, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Um, hope you guys, honestly, man, rely on God. You know, sometimes I find it frustrating that pride is so, so hard to shake. But uh, really rely on God. Really rely on God. Um, God, you know, God gave me a word about really relying on him. And I didn't, I didn't want to speak about it this this week. But maybe that's what I talk about um, next week. Um, so, so we'll see, we'll see. I don't want to make no promises, but I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Have an amazing week. Um, put everything into practice. Go. Peace. Love you guys.